Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... All of us who are Christians came into the kingdom the same way through the blood of Christ, through the cross. The cross is what unites us. And having been forgiven so much, we forgive and we work together, not against one another, for the kingdom of God. When you think of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, what do you think of? There are many wonderful and correct answers to that question, as well as many things we usually don't think of or even know about. Many of us know that one thing is that Jesus Christ made reconciliation between God and man possible. Theologians often refer to this as removing the wall of separation. However, an often overlooked aspect of the cross is Christ's removing the wall of separation between people and gathering them into the family of God called the church. The church should be important to us because it is important to God. To hear and learn more of God's heart on this, here's Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 2. So when somebody says, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, they are boasting. They are bragging. God says, no, you can't, go, you can't get in that way. He also says here they were aliens. That by An alien is someone who is from another place not part of the covenant and promises of God made to the people of God in the word of God. So in essence, they were not committed citizens of the kingdom of God because they were not committed to the king. In Romans 9, verse 4 and 5, the apostle Paul says of his Jewish kinsmen, uh, who are, or they are, Israelites to whom pertain, the idea is to whom belong, The adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers, probably the patriarchs, and from whom, the patriarch's family line, according to the flesh, that would be the physical birth, Christ, another word for Messiah, came, who was overall the eternally blessed God, amen. He's saying when you were Gentiles, none of this was for yours. None of this was yours. When you were Gentile pagans, none of this was yours. Finally, they, he says, they were and we were having no hope and without God in the world. Does that sound good? That doesn't sound good. Now, now you say some people are, are full of hope. He means the certainty of being with God in this world, and in the next world. Now, here's the interesting thing. A lot of people don't feel forsaken by God. Why don't they feel forsaken by God? Because they don't know God. (laughs) Does somebody come up and tell you some really bad news about somebody, and you go, I'm sorry, but I don't know them, (laughs) right? Like, you feel bad, but, but I don't know them. You know, you watch the news, you're like, wow, that's really bad. That's, that's, that's really bad. While Gentiles could convert, most of them live their lives like most people today, 
without really even a second thought to God, who is our hope of eternal life. So what he's saying here is pretty, pretty stark. He's saying that most of our world has no hope beyond this life. And, and, you know, we did this bizarre study in Ecclesiastes that, that it's, on the, it's on our website that was basically, really pay attention when you go to a funeral, he's saying. Remember that? Solomon said, when you go to, when you go to a funeral, really pay attention. Don't waste a funeral. Watch and see what's going on. Because in a lot of funerals, what do you basically get? You get, you get a few memories and, and the classic, well, they're in a better place now. That's about it. Well, I know they're watching us now. Really? Oh, this outfit again? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm laughing about it, but it's really sad. It's sad. Funerals can be so gloomy. Now, I, I understand when, 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 when someone dies you know, very young or, or they take their life or... You know, a life is cut off. I, I, I understand that. I don't know how many of you saw. Um, there was a kid yesterday on Long Island that was going out to cross-country practice and was run over by one of the employees of the school. Quarter mile from the house I grew up in. They're showing all the pictures. I'm like, that's my backyard practically. And, and, and funerals can be so gloomy and 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 sometimes you watch pastors and they're they're trying their best some of them I, some of them I don't know what they're talking about but they're trying to their best to bring words of hope for people who feel absolutely hopeless but followers of Jesus we have hope we have hope we don't have to cry the bible says as those who have no hope we don't weep that way now Sometimes we have different thoughts of the ancient world. The ancient world uh, was a pretty hopeless world. There, there was a lot of, we have a lot of conveniences and a lot of things that make this world better. I'm not saying this is a, any great thing. But people were asking the, the, the same questions we are. I mean, you know, how are we going to put food on the table? You know, what, what's going on with my kids? What's going on with my family? What's the future going to hold? Why, why is life so hard? Now, from the time we become Christians to the time we go to glory, there's great difficulties for us as, as Christians. But part of the difficulties are that we are citizens of heaven. That's why here on earth we have to remember what Christ has done and what he has in store for us. Remembrance is a powerful thing. It produces gratitude towards God, which should produce love towards his people. You say, how is it possible to be grateful to God and to have love towards his people in the midst of such gloom? Well, remember last week we had one of the big butts of the Bible? Here's another big butt of the Bible. Verse 13, but now. So the gloom and doom we just covered, something has happened, something has changed, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. 
but I, but I thought it was by being circumcised. No. Baptized. No. Good person. No. Anything wrong with those things? No. But that's not what brings you close to God. You've been brought close. You've been brought onto the inside, from the outside, into the inside, brought near to God. You were far from God. You were living without hope, without God, without Christ, without God in the world. But now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ, no longer separate. Those who have trusted in Jesus are now in Christ Jesus. Make no mistake about it, by the blood of Christ. Now, here's another thing that sort of gets me a little bit. Again, probably not this crowd, but I'm not. We're going to come later on in chapter 4 that says that my job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. So when you talk to your friends and family members and coworkers, when you get invited to weddings, when you go to places where you don't know a lot of people or somebody, people are asking you stuff, you have to be equipped in the conversations that's my job, to equip you by teaching you so, so you know, you're able to speak with people. I, I just talking with a dear friend today who was talking with people, and they were asking him if he was a pastor, right? I mean, if you know three Bible verses, people ask you a pastor. But if you can explain how to get to heaven to people, what the Word of God teaches, you're, 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 you're really... Um, really ahead of the class. And some people who call themselves Christians, churches that call themselves Christian churches, I don't care what they call themselves, just don't call yourself church, put little to no emphasis on the cross. That is a completely unbiblical approach to the Christian faith. He just told us we're brought near to God by the blood of Christ. Everything is about the blood of Christ, the, the cross of Christ. And so, and so when we don't even talk about it, are we really a Christian church at that point? Jesus Christ was publicly crucified. Publicly crucified. It would be the equivalent of, of going to some arena, going to the mall, going to, going to some shopping center, going to some town fair and watching this guy be crucified publicly. Therefore, the cross must be publicly proclaimed. It was not done behind closed doors. Why must it be publicly proclaimed? Because that is how the far off are brought near. When they realize that he died instead of them. On the cross, the perfect son of God died on behalf of sinners took our punishment so we could be declared righteous. This is what theologians call double imputation. Imputation. God, we are, we are, our sins were imputed or placed upon Christ. That's one. And two, his righteousness is imputed and placed upon us. Double imputation. Now, now if you're talking to people who don't know Jesus, don't try to impress them with your big words. I'm just telling you, when you're reading books, you know what in the world they're talking about. That's why the Apostle Paul said 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. Uh, uh, when we did 1 Corinthians, I've told many, it dramatically changed my preaching. This verse right here dramatically changed it. I went from a teacher of moralism to a preacher of the cross. 
And I realized that, that preaching moralism is much easier. It is so much easier. Because you just tell people, hey, this is where you're sinning. Why aren't you doing it? Get it together. You know, you're not generous. Pass the offering plate. Would you, gushers? Come on, let's go. You're not serving. Oh, by the way, there's, an, there's a thing in your bulletin about a serving. You can sign up to serve. No, I, 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 this just changed my mind. He says, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, he knew lots of other stuff, but that was the centerpiece of the message. Verse 14, For he himself, the person of Jesus Christ, is our peace. He himself is our peace. People are like, oh, I, I don't feel peace. Or, you know, Jesus is our peace. Who has made both one, and the idea is Jew and Gentile one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Another version says hostility. Verse 15 having abolished. What, what does that mean? He, he has done away with, he has made it ineffective, uh, powerless, invalidated in his flesh, the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create himself one new man. He's creating a new humanity. Jesus was creating on the cross, not only dying for our sins, but a result of that would be the creation of a new humanity, a new man, from the two. So Jew and Gentile now become one. They're now a new humanity through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, to God in one body, and the one body is the church, which is at peace, he just told us, through what? Through potluck dinners? <laughs> through free coffee in the cafe? Through what? Through the cross. Cross, blood of Christ, interchangeable. Thereby putting to death the enmity. Do you realize what he just said? That the one who was crucified by hate on the cross crucified hate himself on the cross. He is saying that I took the hatred between people and I crucified it. Now, you say, that's not our world. That's the next life. That's the next life. And he wants us to forget the petty, stupid stuff here. If you will, get it together. He's going to tell us, and get on with the mission. Get on with the work. So when Christ died on the cross, we all know that he made available, or most of us know, reconciliation between God and man. But he's telling us, and one thing when you read your Bible, there's a million things going on at the cross. There's a million things. That's why I said, well, it was only to die for our sins. Not true. There's a million things going on. I would maintain he died in obedience to his father more than anything else. And, but anyway, so he, we, we know that he made available reconciliation between God and man, but he also made reconciliation available between Jew and Gentile. 
Now, while he's writing it at this time, it came down in 70 AD, but when he was writing at this time, there was an actual wall in the temple that Gentiles were not allowed to walk past. So if you were, you were in the temple, you came to worship Yahweh, you, you could be under penalty of death if you walked past that wall. And so Christ, who fulfilled the Old Testament law, and remember in Galatians we learned that it's been replaced with the law of Christ, and now that wall of separation is completely taken down. You see, both laws, the Old Testament law and the, and the law of Christ, the law of love, those two laws are for God's separated people. I think a lot of times you talk to your people, your friends who are not Christians, and if you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, we're really glad that you're here. Or you're listening on the radio or whatever, on the internet. Love you, love you, man. Write to me. But, but a lot of times we look at those weird things that God had those people doing. And part of it was so they would be different than everybody else. So they would be different. You say, well, they look so weird. Well, so do we. So do we. That's, that's okay. And so, so they are for God. these things are for God's separated people, but because of the cross and the Holy Spirit, now Jew and Gentile could be one with Christ and in Christ. He brings everything together. We learned that at the beginning of Ephesians. He's going to bring everything together. This is the process. It is now set in motion. Now, this is a massive death blow to some of the racism of his day. There was, for these people, no more circumcision and uncircumcision. So you have to realize when the Gentiles were in Jerusalem, the Jews were like, ah, look at those people. By the same token, when the Jews went up to Ephesus and Corinth and, and all those other places where the Apostle Paul was ministering, they'd be ah, it's the Jews. What are they doing here? Get, get rid of those people. What's, what's happening? God is now taking two groups of people and creating one. Interesting thing, neither became the other. One thing the early Christians did was a lot of them called themselves the third race. People could say to them, are you a Jew or are you a Gentile? They go, I'm not either. I'm one. I'm now the third race. I'm not like that anymore. Uh, one of the early church fathers who died around 400 B.C., John Christostom, Neat, in one of the Orthodox churches in, in Randolph, I, I was at a wedding one time, and um, there's, a, there's a stained glass thing of him in the, in, the, uh, in the church there, and the sunlight was coming through right on me and Pam, and I was like, oh, we are in an anointed seat here, babe. <laughs> and she's like, why do I go, John Christotham is, is shining the light on us. She goes, you know him? I go, yes, I read him. And she goes, it figures. <laughs> He said this, it was as though one took a statue of silver and a statue of lead, put them into a forge, and they came out a statue of gold. They, they were no longer Jew or Gentile. They were the third race. 
That's why diversity in the church is so important. That's diversity in the church is a picture of heaven. It speaks volumes to people when they come in. I remember when I first went into the church where I ended up meeting the Lord, I was shocked. It was in New York City, and, and there was guys in, in expensive suits with Rolexes on, and there was, there was homeless people, and every, all these different nationalities. And, you know, I always tell you I'm a bit of a sociologist at heart, and I'm thinking, what do these people have in common? I mean, there's no way, there's no way these, you could pull these people together into a room. There's nothing they would have in common. What, what is it that unites them? And then, as I learned, I learned this is what united them, and it's actually very simple. All of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter the color of our skin, our ethnic origin, language we speak, accents we have, except for us from New Jersey, we don't have accents. How you doing? <laughs> All of us who are Christians came into the kingdom the same way through the blood of Christ, through the cross. The cross is what unites us. And having been forgiven so much, we forgive and we work together, not against one another, for the kingdom of God. Now, I get those things that the church growth movement guys kind of either email me or send me free samples of, and they differ on this. They believe that you, you segment a group and try and reach just one group and tailor your services to them. I, I, I can't comment on their churches. I don't know whether they're gathering a crowd or gathering a community of God's people. But I do wonder, or I hope, I don't know, is that a wall? Is that building a wall? The early church struggled with this, and the apostle worked hard, the apostle Paul worked hard to show the people of God that Christ abolished the wall and that Christ is our peace. And that peace in Christ abolishes such walls. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to peace to those who were afar off. So Jesus came and preached peace to those who are far off, that's the Gentiles, and to those who were near. Who are those who were near? That was the Jews. For through him, Jesus, we have both access by one spirit to the Father. So there's the Trinity right there. We're going to be really challenged here as Americans on what he's talking about is here by access by one spirit to the Father. Now, these are interesting verses, especially verse 18. And so, so, so let's review what we've learned. How is our peace with God and peace with one another achieved? By the blood of Jesus, by the cross of Christ. But 
how is it announced and how is it applied to followers of Jesus? So we know how it's possible because of the cross, but how is it announced and how is it applied? That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you, so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Change by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.